This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now, let's join today's message already in progress. Amen. So, won't you quickly turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, and go ahead and stand. If you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and stand because it should be up on the screen. Nehemiah chapter 8, and we will read verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah 8. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today in Nehemiah. We ask, Father, that you might open up our eyes, that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. Father, I pray that Jesus Christ might be lifted up. And in being lifted up, we might see him. And in seeing him, we might believe on him. And in believing on him, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Just by way of introduction, I do want to make mention again that this is a sermon series on the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. This actually closes out our series because in part one we talked about rebuilding the altar. That as the people came back from captivity, the first thing that they rebuilt was the altar. And then in part number two, we talked about rebuilding the temple. We said that God was concerned about the people being uh, so preoccupied with building their paneled houses that they left his house in desolation. We talked about rebuilding the temple. And then the week before last, we talked about rebuilding the wall. We talked about the principles in which Nehemiah used to to, uh, excite the people about building the wall and how all of us need to be concerned about building the walls around our lives and how Christ Jesus is that wall and how Nehemiah served as a type of Christ. Well, last but certainly not least, in this message, we're not going to talk about rebuilding the altar or the temple or the wall. We're going to talk about rebuilding the the people. And how it does not matter if the exteriors are built. If the individual lives aren't rebuilt, then then it was just uh, uh, a work in vain. It didn't amount to anything. How many know that you cannot build an ivory temple out of mud and manure? 
And men and women, sometimes all of our exteriors may be okay, but our lives are in a shambles. And so in this passage, we're going to talk about, about the book of Nehemiah. Remember, the chapters 1 through 6 talk about the physical construction of a wall around Jerusalem. Chapters 7 through 13 talk about the spiritual restoration of the people. You remember in chapter 6, verse 15, at the end of the last message, we talked about how the walls were built in 52 days. Years of desolation, years of destruction. But because of this united effort, because God was in it, they were able to rebuild the wall in 52 days. Chapter 7 tells how the people got organized and housed and fed and how they got all involved in a big love offering. And, 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 and from the least to the greatest, there was this jump start of their new spiritual lives in their new city and their new wall. And so chapter 7 uh, serves as kind of a transition from the com completion of the wall to, to the people getting ready for personal revival. And, and Nehemiah was wise enough to know that his expertise was building a wall. And what we see in chapter 8 is this transition to Ezra. Ezra the priest, Ezra the scribe. And what we learn is that the foundation for rebuilding people's lives in God is the Word of God. The Word of God. Men and women, we need to be committed to the Word of God. We need to be students of the Word of God. I remember years ago, I was so discouraged in, in my ministry and, and days upon weeks of discouragement. And, and I was talking to a brother, and he said, it sounds to me like you need a dose of Psalm 40. Psalm 40 talks about him putting a new song in my, in my heart. Praise to our God. I remember sitting in Shoney's reading that passage of scripture and the Lord doing surgery on me. I remember in another occasion I was I was ready to quit the ministry. You know, I quit the ministry a hundred times. Uh, but I was ready to quit the ministry. I was explaining to a friend how I was feeling, how I was exhausted, and how I just couldn't do anymore. And I just kept going, going, going. And I started talking about how I was the only one who ever trusted God, and the only one who had ever been committed to God. And they said to me, they said, it seems to me like you need a dose of Ephesians chapter 4. I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, you've forgotten your job description. Your job description as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints. And that word so ministered, ministered to me that it changed my whole perspective on what I was doing. I remember not knowing whether or not I should go to the right or to the left. And someone said, well, you need a dose of, of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. You see, the Word does work. You see, a good word does work. You see, a good word gives us direction, gives us comfort, sometimes convicts us of our sin, but always works in our lives. I remember doing my own personal study on the Word of God. And I came up with a few verses, eight in particular, that really ministered to me about the Word of God. 
Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. I, I remember Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 that says, The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our God endures forever. I remember learning Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, where Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I remember John 17, 17, where Jesus says to his Father as he's praying, Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. I remember Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, as he finishes up the, 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 the whole armor of God. He says, taking up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I remember 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, be diligent or study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I remember 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, where it says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for uh, instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be equipped for every good work. And lastly, I remember this verse about the Word of God that so encourages me in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Men and women, if you're in need of revival today, if you're in need of refreshing today, if you're discouraged and downcast today, it could be that you need a good dose of the Word of God. It could be that the Word of God is the medicine that you need. It could be that what God is prescribing to you and to me to have personal revival is to say no to our own thoughts, our own desires, our own wants, to, to say no to this prayerlessness and yes to the Word. And men and women, is there a word for today? Is there a word for today? I remember my friend Barbara, who was a hairdresser, and she came up to me at one of the conferences we had and said, Pastor Mike, don't you get tired of people asking you if they can have a word from you? Pastor Mike, do you have a word? Do you have a word? She said, in my hairdressing business, people know that I'm a committed Christian. They know that I love Jesus. They know that I'm filled with the Spirit. And they say, Sister Barbara, do you have a word? Do you have a word? She said, I was so frustrated, I turned around to him and I said, yeah, I got a word. You go read the word. That's my word to you. My word is that you need to go read the word. And men and women, my word for you today, if you were to summarize it, it would be that we need to read the word. And we need to get into the word so there's personal revival. And I'm going to ask you a question. It may be a little convicting. Have you lost your excitement about the word of God? Have you lost your zeal about the word of God? Have you lost your faith in the word of God? Have you gone weeks and weeks, dare I say months, because of the pandemic and the pandemic is giving you an excuse not to get into your word? 
Are you getting into the Word other than Sunday and Wednesday? Are you getting into the Word because you're seeking His face? And men and women, I'm not saying that we are to exalt the Bible, that we're to worship the Word of God. But the Word of God is a tool for us to worship our one and only Savior. That the Word of God is a, a, a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. The Word of God leads us to Jesus. And men and women, I am sick of being, being a Christian that is no longer excited, a Christian that goes through the motions, a Christian that is not looking for a word from the Lord, because a word from the Lord is more precious than gold, and more precious than rubies, more precious than stuff. And men and women, it's what we need today. Amen or oh me. Well, in this passage, in Nehemiah chapter 8, in this passage in Nehemiah chapter 8, there are five things about the Word of God that brought about revival, that rebuilt the lives of the people. There are five things that Nehemiah wants us to know in this passage about sitting under the Word of God and making the Word of God a priority in our lives so that He can rebuild our broken lives. Point number one. Point number one is simply this. It's found in verse 1. It says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Point number one is, there was a hunger for the Word of God. There was a hunger. I got this, this wonderful outline from one of my favorite preachers, Dr. Adrian Rogers. And I couldn't put it in, in, in any better terms in terms of the, the major points. But make no mistake, that is a skeleton. The flesh is mine. It's mine. But this point about a hunger for the Word of God, notice that it says the people gathered together as one man. The people initiated this. And they told Ezra, bring the book of the law. The word hunger means to crave, to thirst for, to desire. They needed the word of God above anything else. And there was this hunger for the word of God. Do you know what Amos chapter 8 verse 11 says? It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send famine on the land, not a famine of bread, but the thirst, nor thirst for water, but the hearing of the words of the Lord. You see, they were in captivity. They were away from God and away from His Word for 70 years. They came back to Jerusalem. They built the altar. They started on the, the temple. They decided to wait for 16 years. And what, what Ezra knew is that Ezra knew that what they needed more than the structure was that they needed the very words of God that were spoken by Moses. The words of God that were commanded. And as Ezra began to share the word for God, more and more they began to get a hunger. They began to get a thirst. They began to say, oh, we need the word of God. The altar is built. The temple is built. The walls are built. Now we need to be built. Give us the word. We're hungry for the word. Would that I love for people to come to church with a hunger for the word. Would that I love our Bible studies to be filled to overflowing with people because there was a hunger for the Word. Our Sunday school classes because there was a hunger for the Word of God. And point number two. 
Point number two is found in verses two through four. Verse two says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear and understand on the first day of the seventh month. Verse three. Then he heard from it the open, in the open square. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Verse 4. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which had been made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood. And there's 13 men. There's 13 names of people who stood by him. There was a hearing of the word of God. Verse 2 says, Ezra brought the law, and all who could hear with understanding gathered. Verse 3 says that Ezra read the book in open square from morning to midday. Did you get that? It wasn't just an hour-long service. It was from morning to midday because they were hungry. Let me tell you something about preaching. If the preaching isn't something you want or you desire... The preacher can't end soon enough. 45 minute worship service is too long. But if the preacher is preaching about something that you need, something that's going to help you, something that's going to get you closer, something that you want, he can't preach long enough. Give me more and more and more. Oh, we've been in an hour. I need to, oh, don't stop preaching. This is too good. I need to hear it. It has nothing to do with the preacher. It has everything to do with the listeners. Whether or not you want it. A friend of mine at a a retreat where we gave gifts to show how much uh, God loves people. And we put them on the table so they can get them after the meals. And the habit was on this retreat was nobody was picking up their gifts from the table. And a preacher whispered over to me and he said... Hey, Pastor Mike, they're not taking the stuff. I thought about this. Is it really a gift if they don't want it? Is the Word of God really a gift if you don't want it? And you're just going to leave it on the table? Just, Just stay there for a minute. The importance of hungering for the word of God, the importance of hearing for the word from the word of God. And Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, our faith is dependent upon us hearing regularly the word of God so that it's ingrained in our minds and our hearts and our souls. The psalmist wrote, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to thy word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We hunger for the word of God. We're to hear the word of God. But point number three is we're to honor the word of God. Look at verses five and six. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he had opened it, all the people stood up. Verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I want to show you six things in those two verses that give us an idea of how much the people honored the Word of God, how much the people revered the Word of God, how much the people respected the Word of God. Look at the six things in those verses. Number one, every Everybody stood up at the reading of the word. Do you see it there? 
They, 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 number two, it says they opened the book of, 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 of all sight. Everyone stood up. Verse uh, six, number two is there. Ezra blessed the Lord by reading the word of God. He blessed the Lord, the great God, by reading the word. We bless God by reading his word. Number three, it says the people answered, amen and amen. And number four, it says, while they were lifting up their hands, they said amen. And then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they lift up their hands, number four. Number five, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord. And then number six, they put their faces to the ground. Men and women, that's revering the Word of God. That is honoring the Word of God. And what I'd like you to see here is in these verses, there are 13 men that are standing by Ezra. There are 13 men and their names are listed. And the scripture says the people said amen and they lifted their hands. And I believe those 13 men are Ezra's amen corner. Every preacher needs an amen corner. As you're reading the word of God, as you're declaring the word of God. It's right there in the text. They said amen and they lifted their hands. They made an expression about how good the word of God was to them. Oh, I just dread the day when people don't express how good the word of God is to them. We're so quiet. We Presbyterians are frozen at the mouth. And men and women, we got to warm up. Because the word of God is good word. And we need to express that is good word to us. I remember I was at my former church and my pastor would preach. And I'd complain about the word. And I'd complain about his outline. And I'd complain sometimes he didn't have points. And, and something told me. Why don't you start saying amen to every good thing that he says. Oh, I love the word of God a whole lot better. Oh, I loved his preaching a whole lot better. Oh, I got so much more out of the Word of God because I expressed myself as the Word was being declared. That might be for somebody today. You're going to get a whole lot more because if you give the preacher more, he'll give more to you. Point number four, we hungered after the Word. They heard the Word of God. They honored the Word of God. But not only did they do that, and this is for all the preachers in the house, they handled the word of God. They handled the word of God. Look at verses 7 and 8. And also the 13 men, I'm not going to read all of their names, and the Levites, the priests, helped the people to understand the law. One preacher says that, that he thinks they put them in small groups. And as Ezra was reading the word of God, that these 13 men and the other Levites were helping the people understand. You have to, to realize they were without the word of God for a long time. They didn't know. And one of the big complaints even today is, well, pastor, I would read the word, but I just can't understand it. Come to Bible study. Be in a discipleship group. Be in a small group. Take notes during the sermon. And I guarantee you, you'll begin to slowly but surely understand the Word of God. Notice what it says. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. They gave the sense and they helped them to understand the reading. Our job as preachers is to help people to understand. We are not to cover material. 
Mm, did you hear that? We ain't trying to just cover material. I want you to understand the Word of God. That's why I preach with points. I want you to understand the Word of God. That's why I give visuals. I want you to understand the Word of God. That's why Sister Lisa puts a place for you to get notes there. I don't want you to fall in love with me. I want you to fall in love with Jesus. And understand His Word. Amen or oh me. Amen. Not only did they hunger, not only did they hear, not only did they honor, and not only did Ezra and the 13 men and the Levites handle the Word of God, but what made it so special, what made it a God thing, is that point number five, they decided to heed the Word of God. They heeded to the Word of God. There was a heeding of the Word of God. They decided to obey the Word of God. Verses 9 through 12. Verse 9 says, In Nehemiah, Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all of the people, This day is holy to the Lord our God. Don't mourn. Don't weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet sin portions to those who nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our God do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is our strength do not sorrow the joy of the Lord is our strength verses 11 and 12 so the Levites quieted all the people saying be still for the day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Amen. Men and women, they heeded the word of God. Well, how do you explain them in the very beginning in verse 9 saying, don't weep. Don't, don't, don't weep when they wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Well, for 70 years they were in captivity. They didn't have the word of God. When they got back, there wasn't any reading of the word of God. Sporadic reading. Well, this is, is reading from morning to midday. And they're reading from the law of Moses. And in the law of Moses, we have, you shall have no other gods before me. We shall have, you shall not make for yourself a graven image. We have, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. We have, you shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We have, honor your father and your mother. We have, uh, don't commit murder. We have, don't commit adultery. We have, do not steal. We have, do not uh, bear false witness against your neighbor. We have, do not covet. And as the law of Moses was read, the people got more convicted, more convicted, more convicted, more convicted, and they knew that they were in sin, so they started weeping. And what I'm telling you now is, if there's been a minute since you've been in the Word, if there's been a minute since you've been in a place where you've regularly obeyed God's Word, if there's been a distance between you, as old folk used to say, you backslid. Well, when you get back and you learn about His holiness, you learn about His righteousness, you learn about His love in spite of, you learn about His grace, you're reintroduced with the kind of God that you serve. You are broken. 
and there is sadness and there is weeping and then the, 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 the scribes say don't weep don't weep because our God can make up the years that the locusts have eaten our God can pick you up where you've fallen down our God will make up what you've been lacking our God can set the high places and make them low our God can take those low places and make them high so you get glad you go home and start eating of the fat you go home and start rejoicing cause the joy of the Lord is our strength you see yeah we got sin but our sin has been paid for yeah we got sin but we got a savior and his name is Jesus yeah we can acknowledge that we've been wrong and we've been, been, been sinful we've been outside of his will and his way but I know a man who died on a cross that suffered death was buried in a grave and rose on the third day and his name is Jesus see the joy of the Lord is our strength and notice what it says in the text it says, send portions to those who have nothing. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And then it says in verse 12, all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions. And, and they greatly rejoiced. Why? Because they understood. Because they understood the words that were declared to them. Listen, every preacher worth his salt. We want you to, to, to leave this place on Sundays. We want you to leave Bible study on Wednesdays rejoicing because you understood what the word of the Lord had said, what the people preached to them. Men and women, they preach from the law. They preach from Genesis, which talks about four great events and four great people. They talked about the creation, talked about the fall, talked about the flood, talked about the nations. Talked about four great people. Talked about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. He preached from Exodus. That talked about them being redeemed from, from Egypt and being in bondage. He talked about, about, about Exodus, redeemed from, from Egypt, but also uh, being renewed as they traveled and got that law in the wilderness. He preached from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. He preached from Leviticus and told them about how to worship God with offerings and feasts. How to worship God and make sure that you worship Him and He is holy. How to worship God in a wilderness. How to worship God when you ain't even at home yet. And you're not even comfortable yet. This is how we worship God and this is how you are a priest. And then he talked about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and he talked about numbers. He talked about numbers wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Wandering in the wilderness and being sinful. Wandering in the wilderness and being selfish. Wandering in the wilderness and being disobedient. But how God loved them anyhow. God loved them in their sin. God loved them in their wandering. God loved them in their complaining. God loved them and he gave them Moses to continue to preach to them. To continue to love them. To continue to journey with them and walk with them. Somebody needs to hear that God is not going to leave you. And God is not not going to forsake you even if you're in a wandering place in a dry desert men and women it's getting good Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus Numbers and then Deuteronomy 
Deuteronomy, which means second law. You see, he gave him the law in Exodus, but he gave him the law a second time in Deuteronomy. How many know that God is the God of second chances? God is the God of second law. God is the God of second opportunities. God is the God of second tries. Some of us need to hear that because we might have blown it on the first try. And God says, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. There is nothing that you can do that will prevent me from loving you and walking with you. I'm going to give you the law a second time. And if I need to, I'll give it to you a third time. Because that's just the kind of God that he is. Men and women, if you want personal revival, we got to get in his word. We got to be hungry for his word. We have to hear his word. We have to honor his word. And listen, if you're not under somebody that can handle it, you learn how to handle it. Amen or oh me. And lastly, we got to heed his word. To have a heart of obedience. This is what God says. This is what I'm going to do. And the people rejoiced. Because they understood the word that was spoken to them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. We ask that you would just draw us to your word. I'm ever mindful that last week, Minister Danny said, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14 of John chapter 1, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Father, help us not only to get into the written word, but Father, help us to know that that written word leads us to the living word. Father, we come to Jesus today. We honor his sacrifice for us today. We thank you that he has left us his word today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but should have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for your word that gives us the way of salvation. Now, Father, if there is one today who needs the living word who wants to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, I pray that they run to Jesus today. He is not just a priest and a king, but Jesus is our prophet who gives us the words of life. Run to Jesus today. It's in his name we pray. Won't you say amen? Amen. 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 And amen. Won't you stand up as we close out?